Welcome to Miracle Nutrition, the number one selling radio show in North America. For over 20 years, America's favorite cereal. Oh, no, it's not. It's just me, Hardy. And I'm just here to, well, maybe have a little fun with you for the short period of time that we're on Earth. Oh, it's good to be together. Sit back and relax. And I will take you on a little ride. You can take a nap, too. You don't have to stay awake the whole time. When I was young, I was drawn to the radio like a moth to a flame. And I think that is an evolutionary mistake for moths to be drawn to a flame. I am compelled to throw myself into fire, as are all my kin. How are there still moths? Well, some moths must resist it. They must look at that and say, oh, I refuse to immolate myself because I am a slave to my desires. And so they eschew the flame and they go on living their moth lives. But still, some, like myself, are drawn to radio, which is a sort of ever-burning eternal fire. It provides light. Oh, yes, you can turn on the radio and have company and have stories and music. But also, if you get involved with it, you're going to get burned. So just know that. Oh, I remember hearing those compelling voices on the radio when I was young. They would tell stories, like I remember one of them. I believe now, looking back, it was Casey Kasem. And he would dedicate songs. He'd say, I'm going to dedicate this song to a dead dog. And um, then they play, like, a banda, a banda. What's the, how he pronounced that? The Herb Alpert song, you know. I got a dog that is dead. Oh, my doggy is dead. I think it's going to be sad. I used to have me a dog. And a lot of people don't realize that there are lyrics to many of those instrumental Tijuana Brass songs. And they tell a story, therefore. And I would sit by my radio wrapped. And not wrapped in anything, you know. My attention was wrapped very tightly too tightly to draw, like a, like a joint that's been so tightly wrapped that you can't do anything with it. Isn't that something? I think both that and the moth thing are metaphors. Sometimes when you're drawn to the light, your quest for enlightenment can burn you. And just like if you want to get something right and something efficient, it can be so efficient you can't get a hit off of it. And you just turn blue and it's like a too thick a shake that you're trying to draw through a straw. But a storyteller, oh, they can change that for you by inviting you into a new sort of reality. Uh, a dreamscape, if you will, or not a dreamscape if you won't. I don't know what you want to do or not do. I want to check with you first. In radio, it's very hard to do that. So I want you now to press the, the button. We can do it with the Internet. It's a radio with a response pad. And you can just type right in, say, I'm listening to it right now. These are my opinions. Now, the other day, I was listening to a music service. What are those? Oh, there are these companies that they, they steal the music, and then you pay them to listen to it. And so I was listening to one of those, and they said, we now have an artificial intelligence DJ. And I thought, well, there's no intelligence involved in DJing, so I'm, this is curious to me. And uh, then they're going to say, well, would you like to try it out? Because we've been listening to your tastes, and we think you have, uh, we ha have it figured out. And so I was saying, yes, I'd love a custom. What if we each had just one DJ just for us? What a wonderful world that'd be. No, DJ wouldn't have to worry about pleasing a crowd. They're just pleasing one person. That's very binary. Fail or not, or pass, right? You can't be sort of popular. So the DJ came on and an artificial voice says, hey, man, they were real friendly, right? Like they were trying to scam me. That's the first thing is the voice. They were like, hey, hey, you, you, uh, what do you all do for security here? Like when they come to your door and they try to sell security systems or something like that. And uh, I was, I'm going to listen. And they said, we've got some tunes picked out for you. 
And you know, the first one up is your favorite, like uh, Floating Doo-Doo Balls. That's a Mojo Nixon reference. But it wasn't that song. It was just, I don't, I'm making that up because it was a band I'd never heard of. And I thought, now, how is that possible? Why isn't it Herb Alpert? Because that's all I listen to, really. Sometimes I'll mix it up and, and listen to something very similar, like Burt Kempfert or something like that. But it was strange. It was almost like the robot didn't know me, which is hilarious because it's been watching me. If you've been watching me and stalking me so long, robot, how have you gotten it so wrong? Because you don't fully understand what you're hearing and seeing, and my behavior is strange to you. I'm going to explain that to you today on the radio by using radio storytelling techniques that baffle robots. Why do they baffle robots? Because we have a tradition going back as humans, and it goes back very, very far, and robots don't understand this, and it's, it's a storytelling tradition. It's sort of a subcategory of storytelling, and it, what it is, it's telling a story, but you have no idea what you're going to say. Because you've never told it before. A lot of stories are handed down from generation to generation. And you tell them, you memorize them, and, and, and that's that, right? Like, for instance, I had one on a record. I think most of the time, it's, they're, uh, they're put on LPs. That's how we hand them down now. It used to be orally. Which, what do you mean? Well, one storyteller would come up and spit in another storyteller's mouth, and they'd somehow understand the story. But now they put it on records, and one of them was the, uh, I think it was called like 100 League Boots. And there was a fella, a young fella, and he had, I guess he stole them from a giant or something. So if you, if you steal a larger person's shoes, you suddenly have their length of stride. Did you know that? So if you were stole shoes from... Oh, I don't know, a giant that was 80 feet high. Your stride would then be, I don't know, long. And so this would happen to the, he could run great distances, the 100-league boot fella. But in the end, I don't remember what happened. Oh, my goodness, it's not a very effective story. Let's go to the pigs one. They're the one about the pigs people are very obsessed with, and they tell it often. There's three pigs. It's not clear whether they're related. Are they the Three Stooges? I feel like the Three Pigs, like two of them are brothers, but then one's a friend, like Larry. So I don't know which one is which. Mo is the brick one. I don't know. So here, that's the thing. So we've got the Three Pigs, not sure how they're related or if they are. And then, what happens to them? Well, they're critiqued because of their architecture. And the point is, architecture is survival. So you build a flimsy building, and there's it doesn't have to be a wolf. The wolf can be an earthquake or fire or something like that. And I think the Three Pigs goes back to the Kanto, Great Kanto Earthquake of 1923 in Japan, which was the a gates of hell opening on Earth. If you've never read about it, it's because you've never read about it. And the ensuing massacre. Oh, it was a very, it really was the gates of hell opened September 1st, 1923. So I'm really worried about September 1st, 2023, because I'm thinking, do the gates of hell open every hundred years? Are they on the same calendar? So I could be off by a few weeks, but I feel like, so if something happens and there is both a colossal hundred foot fire cyclone or fire tornado and also a mass killing, and then I will be... I'll be, oh, I feel vindicated. No, that'll be horrible. We don't want the gates of hell to open. I've been going and putting extra locks on them. That's what I do. I use compassion. That's what I try to use. I try to get people to love one another, and I'm thinking that'll keep the gates shut. Also, every time someone tries to figure out the code, I yell a bunch of random numbers to confuse them and go, I think I've got it figured out, and I'll go like five, seven, eight. I got that from After Hours. Terry Gar does that. In After Hours, that Martin Scorsese movie, that's stolen from a Joe Frank thing. They had to pay Joe Frank, you know, when they steal your things. I have never been blessed by being colossally ripped off. And so I, don't, I haven't had that kind of payday. 
So I hope somebody, if there's ever a movie called Shemp Jive, The Story of Butchie, let me know, man. I want my, I don't really deserve any money. Uh, but I'd like some because of, um, they make you pay for your uh, life support stuff at the end. So I just want to be comfortable. That's all. And I wouldn't mind having a, Everybody would like that. Don't you think I just want enough money for a, a pillow, a bed uh, to die in, and some something to watch Rockford Files on if it takes a while? Because, you know, you don't know how long it's going to take to expire. You could, you could linger. I know I had an aunt that lingered 80 years. She was sick her whole life, and she lived to be 150. That's pretty good. You know, but still, uh, she was miserable most of the time. You did not. You don't know. Besides, at the beginning, I told you I was going to tell a story. And I didn't hear any objection when I was talking about the thousand league boots or pigs that talked or things like that. Now, let's get back to those pigs, because this story, to me, is very interesting and very revealing. And it tells you something. Did the pigs escape into each other's house as there was a disaster? After the first one, you'd think they'd all just run to the brick house. So I don't, I'm remembering the story as I want it to be, and not as it truly is. Perhaps it's a cautionary tale, and I've missed the most important part. Wolves are bad, because that could be, too. You know, if you're living in the wilderness, we're not so much bothered by wolves now. Um, Fellow Two Houses Down has some wolf hybrids, and they will occasionally poo on the lawn. He tries to pick them up, though. So, so am I plagued by wolves? Kind of, a little bit. But then also, uh, no, I'm far more, I think there's other wildlife that I'm f- far more scared of. I'm, far, I'm, a, I'm a little scared of possums because sometimes they're gentle creatures, but they're also, I don't know whether they're blind, but they'll run at you, and that freaks me out a little bit. So, um, and that's not their fault. There's bugs that do that too. You should be, why are you running at me? That's the wrong decision. I'm going to freak out and kill you. I need a t-shirt that says that. Don't run at me. I will freak out and kill you. And uh, people will take that as hostile, but it's not. It's just a beautiful warning thing. It's like the, the exotic colors of a poison frog. You say, please, I know my, I know myself. I know if you eat me, you will get very sick. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to hurt you because I have to die for you to get sick. So I don't want that. So I'm just telling you, let's save us all a lot of time. And that is my uh, message of this story. And I think it's the three pig message, to be honest. Now, the fairy tales that we tell children, we don't often tell them on radio. We do used to use story records. I don't think parents use them anymore. I think they use pictures and everything like because they have the Internet. And so they will show the child, say, here's, these aren't the three pigs. Here's Peppa Pig. And what's Peppa Pig doing? She's making cu- cupcakes or something. With, it doesn't seem like there's anything, but I haven't really read much Peppa. I, read, I got done with that first book, and I was like, I'm through. No, what did I read all of, though? I'm trying to think. I've read children's books before. I prefer the ones for very small children. I love, and it's a classic, and it was written... I guess it's modernist. I'm not real sure. Pat the Bunny. So uh, if you don't are not familiar with this book, it's interactive, and it's um, it's an amazing book because it's a lot of books are just words and pictures. This is words and pictures and textures and things and places to stick your fingers in and stuff. A lot now I've seen the books. Yeah, you stick your finger in, you turn the page, and it's something rude. But this isn't that. This is like, um, say, Pat the bunny, and the bunny will be furry. Because very young children, uh, they have to explore the tactile world, and their fingers are very sensitive. They have those little, they have no callus on their hands because they haven't done an honest day's work. So there's little baby hands. Their hands are like, like, you know, some sensitive part of you. So they rub that fur, and they're, oh, that feels interesting. So to pat the money and rub a little bit of, of uh, hopefully synthetic fur. I don't know. I heard it was rat. And then um, there's some there's some sandpaper and they go, Daddy's scratchy beard. If you know, I nowadays it's daddy's daddy's full, long, luxurious beard that has all sorts of some kind of beard oil in it that smells like cedar. 
or anything. Bless your heart, all the young men with the long beards and putting pouring stuff into them. That's interesting to me. I've had a beard a lot of, uh, a lot of my life, and my excuse is a very sensitive skin. And when I shave, I get terrible shave bumps and all. So I just, I please, you know, I just like try to keep a beard going, so that my skin doesn't turn all red and and rashy. Um, but also, they look good. I think they look good on me because I don't, uh, I don't have a strong chin. I have a chin. It's not strong like Carol Burnett's, but she had chinodonics done and uh, had a half a ping pong ball put in. That's what they use. Isn't that something? It's just the right shape or something. So they just cut open the skin and they just stick a half a ping pong ball in there. And then you got a wonderful chin. If you want a dimple in it, they'll just take a regular, regular office stapler and uh, staple some skin to the ball. And then a couple months later, pull out the staple like that. And then you look like Kirk Douglas or something, I guess. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, the things that we can do with uh, surgery and everything. You don't have to look like you came out. You can just absolutely look all weird and deformed if you want to. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's your life. It's your face. People, I have, oh, that's, that's why I have, uh, I reserve judgment. I don't, I don't want to judge. First of all, it's so easy for me not to judge people because, boy, I just don't want to. I don't even want to do jury duty, much less judge somebody's hat or their body art or something. Woo! No way. That's up to you. Bless you. I don't know what I'm doing. How am I going to tell you what to do? And I find that there's a lot of people that can't even, their personal relationships are a shambles, but they think, I'd like to run the state. And I've never really thought that way, you know? I always think, I'm like, first of all, I'm going to concentrate on my personal relationships, and then I'm going to just go out concentric circles from there. But a lot of people go, well, I've ruined everything up to a certain point. I've ruined all the relationships of people who know me, so now I'd like to go out and lead strangers. And I think that is a, a way a lot of people think. I'm going to start new. They won't know me. I can recreate myself, and you know. This country, they always, one of the myths we have is that you recreate yourself. You come here, um, we don't want people to come here anymore, but when you, we, when you came here, you'd come here and you'd say, I'm something different than I was back home. No, I'm not a sick, cruel, violent criminal anymore. Here I am your uh, uh, boss. So I'm starting all over at the top, and I'm tired of being in prison abroad. So I'm coming here, and I'm going to be in charge of people. And that's a, our beautiful beginnings, I think. No, that's, is that true? I don't know if it's true or not. I don't care. A lot of the stories we tell ourselves are to make us feel better, you know, and I want to tell stories to make you feel better for sure. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to tell you one right. Do you know where you really come from? It's a beautiful, it's, I call it a spaceship, but it's, it's more than a, it's more than a ship. It's a, it's a vessel, a space vessel, and you were brought here from a distant star, and isn't that nice so far? And everything there smells like strawberries. The kind of strawberries in a candle shop, though, not real strawberries. A lot of times real strawberries are kind of damp and green, but this is, mmm. I don't like strawberries. Is lemon. Maybe you come from planet lemon. There are, this is crazy, and I know there are so many universes that there's a universe based on every single song on Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brasses, Whipped Cream and Other Delights. Did you know this? Because it names a lot of food. There's just a lot of food songs on there. For instance, Casino Royale. No, that's not a food song. You just named one that wasn't. Oh, gosh. I messed up. I'm sorry. But uh, that's a good one. They all sound, every time every, I play somebody, Herb Alpert's song, they go, is that the dating game? And I go, no, not that one. When I play you the, uh, the dating game one, you'll go, no, that's not the theme. Isn't that funny? How's that work? 
Well, I'll tell you how that works. It's all about brass and pop, and it's all about phrases, and it's all about the way that you convey a melody. It's all about getting inside your head and creating a type of earworm. Now, how do you do that? Well, you repeat something that's catchy, like, I got a dog that is dead. And dun, 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 dun. I would love to put my, oh, I like to listen to her. T white on the red. That'd be tough if you if you uh, if the the lines didn't correspond exactly to completing a word. Hardy is on. I can't do it. I got to change my name so that I can make it fit to one of those great songs. It's the Hardy White Show. Boom, 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 boom. I'm digging on the grooves of the Hardy White Show with guns. Casino Royale, by the way, does have lyrics. Um, with guns and knives, we're fighting for our lives in Casino Royale. And there's a version online. You can go listen to it. Isn't that funny? You can watch the movie. Oh, you won't get very far. You'll think, I, but I loved this movie when I was nine. And that's so much of that is I'd like to just have a whole uh, theater retrospective like that called You Loved It When You Was Nine. And then you come and you watch it and you just, everybody just walks out shaking their head. And they go, what was I thinking? Well, you were young. Oh, we change. It's a wonderful life. That's why I try to uh, eschew nostalgia a bit because I think I'm just not the person I was when I was a little kid and the things that I liked as a little kid were so important to me and I thank them. Thank you, Gilligan. But I don't want to spend a lot of thank you, the Three Stooges. And I know I, I talk about the Stooges an inordinate amount of time and they are important to me. But a lot of this stuff, if you ask me, do you like it? I'd go, I did. And that's all that's important to me. Like, uh, do you like your grandfather, Hardy? I did. He's dead now. So I don't know what to, not much to like anymore. <laughs> Just remains. Well, I mean, you like him, though. He's still alive in your heart. Mm. You know, I wonder. I mean, I love the man, but I'm not sure he's living in there. Uh, I apologize to him if he is. I didn't, uh, so much I don't know about him. You know, you just know about what people let you know, and I'm sure I, I don't really know about his struggles and his fears and all that kind of thing. <clears throat> I'm sure you can kind of guess what your ancestors' fears are by how messed up you are. So you can say, oh, I see now what their problem was. But, um, no, I don't know. I try to be uh, fairly immediate and understand that we live in a, a ever-flowing stream, don't we? It was uh, Heraclitus who said, uh, don't step in, there's, there's sharks, and don't put your foot in there. What? Don't put your foot in the stream, there's sharks. There's no sharks in the stream, it's like, a, it's like seven inches deep. There could be. Well, what do you mean there could be? Well, change. What? Change over time. Like you never stick your foot in the same stream twice. What if you, the third time you stick your foot in the stream, it's, a, it's like an ocean, and it's like, it's the ocean, and it's in Australia, and it's a great white shark, and he's going to bite your foot off. And then, what are you going to do about philosophy then? You'll have no foot to stick in a river. And I thought about it, and he was right. And it was like when Democritus had a cheese shop. You'd go in there, and you'd ask for a sample, and... It was just, he just cut and cut and cut and cut. And you say, what are you doing? You're making it, it's going to be so small. But I think it's, uh, they finally solved this on that show where the, the special effects guys would test different stuff that you can only fold a piece of paper seven times and a half, you know. Maybe you can only really cut a piece of cheese so many times and then you get to what? You know, quantum particles. There might be a smallest thing. He never said, you know, we got one price for cheese. Plank length. What's a plank length of cheese? It's really, it's no longer, when is it not cheese anymore? That's the thing too. It'll start not being cheese after a few cuts. Because then once you, once you get that last cheese molecule, <laughs> whatever, you're not, I don't know what you have now. Now you have something. Now you're just cutting up carbon or who knows. I'm not, hey, I'm no chemist. I don't know if you uh, figured that out. 
but I will sell you drugs. I'm that kind of, I'm like a British kind of chemist. So they also say that. They have the same word for a different thing. I'm going over to England and I'm worried about that. So if a chemist is a, like a druggist, well, what is a, you know, what is a physicist, for instance? They could make pizza, for all I know. So I got to get one of those books that tells you what to do. Rick, Rick Steves is no good because he's just so high. So I don't know whether he's telling me the truth. He's just so high. You know, we're here in Scotland where people fly using the power of their minds and stuff like that, you know. I'm invisible today as we visit a historic pub. Um, no one can see me. That's why I'm nude. And uh, we'll go, oh, no, Rick. Um, but I don't, uh, you know, but I do need some kind of guidebook probably. So we'll just call Vicky and Vicky's going to see Vicky anyway, but she's going to be so busy. I will. But, you know, it's like a working thing, so uh, she won't have time to show me around. So I've hired a, a waif, a 19th century kind of st street ragamuffin. And uh, I love it. Apparently you can hire these, uh, I suppose they're actors, and they will disguise, uh, not disguise, they'll dress up in what they call a uh, fancy dress, a costume of a 19th century a uh, little kid, the kind of the kind that takes a coin from Scrooge and goes and gets the turkey and everything. Do you follow me? And they'll show you around, and they call they call you governor. I, uh, I was telling them on the phone, I'm not the governor. I'm not the governor. But they said, No, it's not. It's what they. It's a lingo kind of thing. I go, Ah, like they might call you um, chief, or you know, you're not. You know, they know you're not a chief. But we do that here. We go, boss, hey, boss, or, you know, um, I know you're not my boss. But um, how you doing today, chief? That's a rough one. I don't know how to under <laughs> I just uh, my, my response to that always wants to be horrid. But I try not to. I just go, fine. Um, I'm looking forward to this little fella taking us around with his cap, you know, and, and, uh, hey, look at this, hey, blah, blah, blah. um, I don't know how they speak, but, uh, and they're going to show us, I wanted to see things like, not that I don't, a lot of people won't say, I want to see Jack the Ripper. I don't. <laughs> um, I want to see where the young ones lived, that house. I don't know if it's still there. I know the front window got blown out a lot, but the, so the young ones house, um, I don't know if Kelly Monteith still lives there. I'd like to see. Who's that? He's an American comedian that had a show over there. And then that show, that the British show, would show on, on public television here in the 70s. Isn't that crazy? Along with The Goodies, which was Tim Brooke Taylor and, um, et al. And, um, yeah. So there we go. Uh, I wanted to see some of those landmarks, mainly of, like, the TV shows I've seen. Um I'd like to see a Doctor Who. So uh, I kind of know where Peter Capaldi lives. Somebody told me. So I might just pretend I'm... I'm just walking by. I'm not... Oh, hey, hey, Doc. I say it like that. Like, hey, Governor Doc. But uh, he won't like that. They, don't, they want their privacy, and I would love to give them that. So I've given almost all celebrities their privacy. And I don't really see any, really, in the wild. I don't go those kind of places, I suppose... I'm trying to think if I'd see any here. I haven't even seen the local damn weatherman here. I, I need to go out more. There's probably people I see every day I don't even realize they're celeb. Like the person checking me out at Kroger could very well be a celebrity. I wouldn't know because there's a lot of music I don't listen to. Or, you know, I go, oh, I'm a YouTube influencer and I make millions. And I go, well, why are you bagging groceries? And they go, you got to keep it real. Also, that's like the shtick. That's part of the thing. Like I'm filming right now. Ah, oh, okay, good. That makes me uneasy. Oh, that's not the way it used to be. That's all right. Things move and change, and they will continue to change. That's why I want to really give you the old-time radio. Well, radio was never like that, Sardy. Wasn't it? No. Wasn't it? No. When was it like this? Well, maybe some college radio. The kind of radio where no one cares. And I love that. Well, if somebody's caring, oh my God, that's so stifling. Can you imagine? Go on there and I want you to monitor the things you say. 
Well, then you're then you're moving into like uh, church territory where you got to say the right thing or they kick you out. If you speak from the heart instead of from the manual, they will, you know, you're out. So I don't want to do that. You live in constant fear and you got to say, I got to say things that people agree with before I even say them. How am I going to do that? And I'm just used to speaking from my heart, speaking about the human experiences. I have felt it. And really, look, I've been searching for answers my whole life. I haven't found many. But I found the search for answers has really been pointless. And what I'm really looking for is uh, solutions to, to bad feelings. And it's all about sensations and experiences to me. And those, you know, and the consequences of those and avoiding bad things. And what are the bad things? Oh, just, you know, the pain that we give to one another. How can I avoid wrecking other people's lives how can i avoid being a jerk or cruel to others because then i figure you know then they'll be better and they'll be better to me and we'll be able to cooperate and help one another why would we need to cooperate and help one another because i cannot grow decent vegetables i'm telling you there's so much i can't do uh, getting my own food we always think that we can you know in theory well, i'll just grow my own food no you won't you'll kill it Listen, those things are hard. I love this, uh, this kind of cooperative thing where all do something. You, you be in charge of shelter. You be in charge of food. You be in charge of this, that, and that thing. I, I will talk a lot and then not say anything. And then people go, what is he saying? And then I'll get nervous and just make sounds. That'll be my job on the island. So uh, I feel like if there, again, I, I'd, I'm not saying I loved Gilligan's Island, but it was intended to be, by Sherwood Schwartz, it was intended to be a political, you know, um, a social commentary, rather. You know, he would say, these are, (laughs) you know, these are the six type of white people. And what if we had them on an island, you know, with... uh, so then they'd figure out how to, you know, be superior to each other or something. I don't know. But uh, put them on an island. So that, that's, uh, and I don't think it works that way for obvious reasons. It has nothing to do with our culture, which is a lot more diverse and, and interesting than the, the crew and the passengers of the minnow. But uh, something that is consistent is there are five people that could represent other things, bigger things, you know, like gods or anything. They could represent... I think human weaknesses, and that's more likely to me is, you know, they represent things like vanity or, or uh, you know, uh, vanity. Some of them are vain, um, um, ignorance. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like most they've got uh, maybe some of the mortal sins or something. I'm not sure what Mary, Mary Ann did, but um, I don't know. She's got problems. She's she's from the Midwest, so there's probably something dark going on with her. Everybody else's sins are pretty obvious, but Marianne, I feel she's probably stealing from people at night. We don't know. Oh, bless her heart. So, oh, she's from Kansas. Yeah, but you know. What? Well, Wizard of Oz. I mean, she's obviously like a Dorothy figure, and Dorothy is a murderer. I mean, that is uh, that is without dispute. You know, she lands on and crushes a, a person. who, And then she's celebrated for this. And they go, now all you have to do is now kill her sister. You know, this is a gruesome, gruesome thing. And a lot of people don't realize that, um, that Wizard of Oz was actually written by Jim Thompson, who wrote Killer, The Killer Inside Me. And it was originally a pulp thing, you know. It was a, about this psycho Kansas girl who gets uh, hit on the head and trips and just dreams that she's uh, a psychopathic murderer. And there's drugs. They do poppies. They do heroin and everything. And then there's they start seeing flying monkeys, and it's just a nightmare. They just did a, a movie about how um, David Lynch's mind was poisoned by that movie, and he went on and put a lot of that stuff in his films, um, which are very interesting. 
So it's not just a child's films. And you know, you've, if you've seen any films like Scorsese, very, very influenced by the Three Little Pigs and everything, and just oh, gruesome. So these tales, they stick with us. I'm sorry this is, ends up being a kind of a TED Talk about storytelling, and I haven't really told you a proper story, and I want to. Well, maybe I could tell you the story of my own life, and I was starting to do that about how I listened to the radio and heard different voices, and they comforted me. And I felt like maybe the person talking was talking just to me. Aren't they? Jim. I just did that. They used to do that on, this would unnerve me, but there was a children's show called Romper Room, and there was different romper rooms in every city I learned I guess there was like you could have a local one and you'd think I'm gonna be on romper room but it's just the local version so it was kind of a you know I don't know what that's called but um so what they would do is that uh I've said this many 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 times because I'm traumatized by it and it's just a trick it's the same trick that people like like uh David Blaine use and everything she's got a mirror it's not a mirror there's nothing in it it's just so that you can see her face. It just looks like a crocheting hoop or something. And not a crocheting hoop. Um, um, you know what I mean. It's hoop you, you, needlework. And so um, cross-stitch. Cross-stitch. Which I do. That's my workout routine. Cross-stitch, cross-fit. And she'd look through it as if it was a mirror. And she'd say, I'm looking at a magic mirror. And now I can see you. And I'd think, am I dressed? You know, and go, ooh. But then she'd start listing off names. And she'd go, I, you know, I see you, Robert. I see you, Susan. I see you, you know, I just see European children for some reason. But I see you, John, um, Alice, you, Ted. Um, you know, and she'd do like that. And maybe she'd get to your name. And now it turns out she was just reading. They had a, right off camera, they had a rack of those little novelty bike license plates that have your name on them. I don't know if you've ever gone into like a store like that or on the turnpike or something. And they'll have, you know, just Alan and Alice and Andrea and Andre and Erla, Asimov, Ernegat, Beatrice, Bobby, Brinkman, Bensongan. Blodzenzaker, Brofe, Baba Boom, Zalala, Chris, Charles, Kamakun, Kapakalaka, like that. And then you can't, you say, oh, they've got mine. So she just read that. And she just read the ones she could pronounce. So that's what they're just reading. And then it's just statistics. Like they might, they just happen to say your name. So they say your name, boom, right? Uh, Dale. How did he know me? He doesn't know that, you know, but it's not me, Dale. It's not New York, Dale. It's a different one or something, right? It can't mean me. Uh, and they do that, and then it, you think, well, the TV lady can see me or something, or the radio person, they know who I am now. They can, they can see through the waves. It's very, it's very disconcerting, and then they use that. They use that information to get you to buy things. They say, now we're going to show you a commercial for some kind of breakfast cereal or worse. You know, I don't know, and then you want to, I know that you don't control, I don't control any finances in our household. I know. Then why are you targeting an advertisement to me, a child who doesn't control any resources and can't go shopping and everything? <laughs> why do you think we are? Because uh, it's kind of scary. They want you to go um, make that a, they're giving you a value in your parents' absence. So... You know, and then you go to the parents and go, I gotta have this cereal. Why? When did you even hear of that? My my friend, a uh, lady on the Miss So and So from Romper Room, uh, she it has her endorsement because she was talking and then she said my name and then it came on and it said you should have the cereal because every morning and it's got vitamins in it. It's got vitamins in it and there's um, you get a thing so it's like a it's it's like you get something for free a toy. You know how expensive toys are, Mama. Well, this one's got a toy in it, so you buy the cereal and then free toy. So that saves us money there too. 
it's got a, I love, it's got a good way to get me to eat my vitamins because I don't like vitamin pills and I've been sticking them in the plant. That's why the philodendron is about 80 feet long because every morning I stick my French, Fred Flintstone vitamin in there. And this has a vitamin, this star, Siri has vitamins in it. And so I could get it that way. And then you just put milk or vodka on it or something and you have a complete meal. All right, I'll get it for you at the store. And that's the way it works. Bless us. Oh, that's what I'm... Shall I do that to you? I'll say your name. And then I'll say a thing you should buy. What you should buy. You, oh, if I was going to sell you anything. It's free, so I'll just give it to you. What are you going to give me? I want, oh, self-love. I want you to feel all right about yourself. I want you to, I want you to live your life unburdened by the, some, the heaviness that you may feel. You know, it's just, it's not easy being a person. And uh, it's not easy enduring. And it's, uh, on top of that, you have to guess what it's all about. If you ever care about meaning, you know, you realize you're, you possibly are in a meaningless kind of existence and that everyone is, and therefore that makes it very difficult. And then all these people that should be cooperating are antagonistic and that's difficult to deal with. And you say, well, they don't like me. Maybe I shouldn't like me. And then you start uh, feeling uh, like an uh, enemy to yourself. And that's what I would love to have you not do. That's my cereal. It's, it's a golden cereal that I want to give you. I want you to be able to eat something and say, my heart feels better. Hardy says he loves me. Uh, yeah. Well, you don't know me or you wouldn't. <laughs> Listen, you know, that's the best thing. Because I'm not confused by the details. You know, I'm sure that you've done horrible things or thought horrible things. Or maybe it's by omission. But I'm telling you that it's, uh, in the long run, this is a difficult thing, you know. And if you have any kind of feeling in you of compassion or anything, that overrides all that. That wins. We want that. And so I throw my arms around you. And I say, listen, you know, you want to be, you want to be loved. You want to be forgiven. You're forgiven. You want to be free. Be, you be free. Now there's all sorts of consequences and you'll always have things around you that are reminders of your, uh, your incompleteness of your, uh, of your faults and everything. But we, we, we just float through like that. You got to. Uh, learn to live in the messiness and the confusion of this wonderful life and keep swimming towards the joy and not into the light don't go into the flame that is not that is what that is what moths dead moths do living moths are like what is it that i want about the light what is it before i go careening headfirst into the flame, what is it about it that attracts me? That's what you ask. And you say, it's the warmth. Well, going into it's too much warmth. It's the light. I want to be able to see clearly. That's best done right over here at a distance. So then you learn, maybe I won't fly directly into it. Maybe look, I'm going to think about my desires. What is the heart of them? You know, what do I really want? And I find that with a lot of people that just want to be loved or accepted or not rejected. That's it. The, the very basic. There's all sorts of complicated ways to go about it. Status, you know. I'm going to get, I'm going to become so famous. Listen, I'm going to do this experiment. As Hardy White, I'm going to become, you know, I'm not really, I'm not so famous. And I'm certainly not rich. And I'm not even really a professional or anything. I'm just a person who does things and tries to get by. So, um, but as an experiment, I'm going to get super, super famous. Just really, really well known. So I'm probably, probably the number one radio person in the world. That's what I'm going to do. And then I'll see, hey, am I more loved? Do I feel better? Is the world better? Am I better? Am I helping people? What's going on? Is that, is that, did that turn out to be the right decision? And then we'll see, though, because I'm going to do it first. If I don't do it, it's just going to think, oh, you're just saying that because you can't do it. Well, let's just see who can't be the super greatest. 
I'm going to try. I'm going to go try really hard because you know, why, why kill yourself? You know, I got uh, life's short. I do want to have enjoyment and everything like that. As long as it doesn't also, you know, there's the burden of travel. I like to travel, but not, you know, when you have to or like lots of flying and everything. Ugh. So I don't know, maybe some kind of some kind of quiet, crazy f fame, you know. And is there a is there a is there a Hall of Fame? Is there a Radio Hall of Fame? Where is it? It's in uh, Bowling Green. No, I don't think it is, but um, I'll start one in Bowling Green, and I'll start one in Paducah, and then I'll have it there, Owensboro. Well, that's not a very funny name. Oh yeah, but uh, it's that's yeah. It uh, it should have a better name. Um. It should be called like Crab Rock or something. Owensboro <laughs> is too nice a name. Um, bless it though, because we wouldn't have uh, Florence Henderson if it wasn't for Owensboro. And uh, I believe, no, Johnny Depp's not from there. They don't really want him. I think he's from Miami. But he might have been born there, but then he was spirited away like the Dalai Lama as a child and brought to Miami, which is more appropriate. But we do have, oh, there's so many famous people from Kentucky, I don't even want to go in. I'm not from Kentucky, so I'm doomed. But where are you from? Nowhere. See, that's the problem. Yeah, you know, just try to figure out where I'm from. You got to stay, I guess you got to stay put a little while to be from somewhere. Are you an army brat? A little bit like that. I was in, the, um, uh, my parents were space travelers, time travelers. We never really stayed in the same. That's the third sip of water I've taken in 20 years on the radio. How about that? I remember I used to, when I first started, people would say, how do you do that without taking any water? And I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know. I just never get, uh. Now that I'm old, I just got a mouth full of Elmer's glue all the time. I don't know what it is. I just cannot stay hydrated as an old person. I'm drying out. I guess that's the thing, is that you just desiccate like one of those apple people. You know, those apple-faced things that you get in the country gift shop. And that's what I'm starting to look like. And I love it. I just, I, I don't mind. I am not a, I had a youth. That's why they say, you know, don't, you know, be, you know enjoy it. Because it will, it will pass. This too will pass. I'm the most beautiful person in the room. Ah, oh, this too will pass. This shall pass. Don't worry about it. You will not. You will not be that. Concentrate on the inside. Being beautiful on the inside. That's what you'll want when you're old, because people have got to have something to get past. Oh, he's so nice. That old, that older gentleman doesn't smell great, but he's always oh, so kind and sweet, and he always has some sort of old kind of candy that we don't eat it, but it's so kind of him to to give it to us, and and. I just chuck it right into the sewer. <laughs> but he, oh, bless his heart, though. He's out there saying, you want some candy? Want a poke of candy? No, thank you, Earl. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll be like that. I want to do, you got to hang out somewhere to do that. When I'm not that age yet. I'm the, I'm a dumb age where I know I'm old, but people haven't figured it out yet. And so you still get, get treated like you're not. And you go, come on, I just need, I just want a nap. Y'all are making me do too much stuff. Do you want to go out? Oh, not really. I want to, you know what I want? A lap blanket and tea. So, um, but it, my body will catch up and pretty soon people go, oh, I get it. I get it. But for now, you know, I'm, I'm trapped in a, you know, I feel good though. Am I blessed? I, I am, but I, and I feel lucky, but I also, we all perish and die and horrible things are right around the corner. So I do try to not, you know, think about those. I never compare lives because we're all at some different stage, you know. You're fine now, but maybe, you know, and they're not, and that's going to flip. So, you know, things change, like rivers, like streams, like when you stick what used to be your foot into a stream, and you look to the sun and you think, I wish I could fly into it. And then, no, no, I'm at a good distance from the sun right now. I'm at a good distance 
from Hardy White. He's right there speaking in my ear, but not right in my ear. I feel like he's close to my ear, but not, not, I said, what is that? I always get the initials wrong for the lip, the lip smacky things. I listen to static, so I'm not allowed to say SSMSMSR, the SSMSMSR or something. That'd be, if I could, if I could remember it, I could make a good joke about a ship called the SSSMSMR that you get on it. It's just like that, the whole, the whole cruise or some people like that sound. I don't. But there's that in radio, too. I remember um, the Prairie Home Companion guy. Um, um, all his name will come back to me. Gilbert Schmoglin. And he would do, he'd do that, you know, real close to the microphone. And I'd say, gosh, that is really people like that? You know, well, uh, children of Lickshmoglin or something. I don't even remember it now. He's gone. He might not be alive anymore. I don't even know. Gareth Toglin. Gayer. Hang on, it's going to come to me. I love, oh, I just love the feeling of not remembering. Don't don't tell me because I've just. Garrison Conglin. Cam. Garrison Keeler. There it is. Uh, and his fabulous saliva. So I try to keep back from the microphone a little bit because I'm not a big, I'm not a big, so saliva's really not part of my shtick, except when I say words like shtick, and then there it comes right at you. Oh, you're spitting, Hardy. Sometimes when I do the rhymes, people go, you're spitting, you're spitting fire. I go, don't step into the flame, resist. I know you were drawn to my words, but maybe they'll burn you. I don't want that at all. That's the last thing I want. I can't believe people go on the radio. And look to make enemies or look to hurt people or say, you know, <laughs> you know, these people aren't even human. And they create that kind of, that is like, that's my nightmare. I can't imagine somebody, get, even if I was a little child and someone says, I'm going to let you speak to a lot of people. All right. Now you're going to say, say something important to all these people. What would you say? You know, um, you know, I would say something like, love your neighbor or something you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say kill everybody it just seems uh very strange to me and I, if a child said that i'd say what happened what are you, why are you so mad at everybody because it just seems to me if i had an opportunity to speak to my fellow human beings there's a couple things i would say one is oh my goodness i don't feel any animosity in my heart naturally for you um, but if you hate me, we got a sticking point. So wouldn't it be nice if we uh, accepted that all human beings are very different and it's very difficult sometimes to be together and that understanding other people's situation and having some, uh, being extend your shoot out your feelings and being able to pick up on other people's, you know, or just maybe doing it intellectually, you know, trying to have a, understanding of what goes on or motivates people or the human hearts, then we could um, navigate the world a little better and give ourselves what we really truly need. We're deprived of the things that we really need, you know, and uh, they're kept from us because they have to be sold to us. And I understand that's part of the system. You have to, people have to be in a constant state of deprivation. They have to, not deprivation, that's depraved, of uh of dest no they have to always have to be in a constant state of not having you know insufficiency so that they can have the meanings sold to them and it keeps the engine moving you know if we're um, if we're deprived not depraved of what we uh, what we need and so I want to give you some things freely, and that is my respect. You don't have to be anybody so-called important. I think you are important because you're alive, and you do have my respect. And I don't know what you've been through, and I don't know what you will be through. And so I respect you, and I honor you as a human being, and I send you all, all, all my love. And, and you say, well, you know, this it seems like it might be disingenuous because if you knew some of these people, you wouldn't love them or you'd be irritated with them. And yes, absolutely. 
That's true. We're talking about aspirations, what you want to be. It's not easy. It's like saying, I'm, I'm Hercules doesn't make you Hercules. You know, you got to work out and work at it. And every day you got to build that, build that muscle. And so I do that with being a, a, you know, I'm trying to love better. I'm trying to understand better. I'm trying to help better, help smart. And that's why I'm coming on there and I'm giving certain type of stories because I don't want to guide you in, into one area. I want, don't want to guide you into one belief. The only belief I want you to have is in yourself. All The only belief I want you to have is in the ever-changing and strange nature and difficult course that we are on. Oh, fun, right? Oh, my goodness. Doing it together is what's good. That's what keeps us uh, going is being able to do it together. Uh, party, lots of, uh, bigger the party, the more chance you're going to find somebody to talk to. Oh, there's too many people here. No, that's great. That's great. First of all, no one person is noticed at a really big party. That's actually pretty good, right? Two, you can go and you can actually have just a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody that maybe you don't see very often. So, or you've never met before. You get to meet people. And uh, sometimes people cut you a lot of slack in parties because everybody knows it's kind of awkward and everything. And, and everybody knows that maybe first impression, you know, you need more than one. There's some people that first impression, I haven't really gotten them or they've, I've, I've sort of mis mistaken who they are, you know, and then you talk to them some more and you go, all right, yeah, now that I kind of know what they're coming from and who they are, because some people have different kind of manners and everything, you don't know. <clears throat> I've misinterpreted things as being rudeness when they're not. And we all have different neurologies, so we can't all... Uh, uh, have the same uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, perceptions. So we see different things, feel different things. But boy, we have lots of common ground. So it's really easy to love one another, I think, um, because there's just more that we share in common as humans than we don't. It's a wonderful variation, and we're all very different, but we're also not. It's perspective. Pull back. Yeah, you go real tiny, you can see all the change, you can see all the differences and everything, but do you pull back? No, you can't. At some level, people just look like ants. You can't even tell them apart. And that's beautiful, because there we are. Can you deal with that? Can you, you deal with your significance and insignificance at the same time and realize it's a matter of perspective? You say, well, how can I be both uh, dust and ashes and the most important thing ever created? That's because it's, it's just perspective. You know, at one level, on the close-up, you're important. There's detail to you. You pull back very far, you are unimportant. You are nothing. But it really is just about how you are perceived, right? By the, and really, and what is the universe? Is it even perceiving? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying. Let us relax and experience the joy of being together and hearing stories and being a little bit confused and walking away feeling different but not knowing why and starting to think about moths and other insignificant things and feeling a little bit of delight and maybe you'll smile the next time you see an insect throw itself um, into, a, into a flame or into a, a very hot light bulb or something like that and you'll say, look at you. Oh, magnificent creature, a victim of its desires. I hope that you're, you know, I'm past reproductive age. That's what it is, probably. Yes, only the older moths who already have children throw themselves into flames. Oh, I see what's going on now. If you had moth kids, you'd know. It's true. Oh, my goodness, I'm sorry. I wish I knew more about insects. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, my friends, I love being with you. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and online worldwide, WFMU.org. Freeform Radio, the way the new friends and women have it all right. Thank you for listening so much, and I will see you again next week.
mahogany. Twins' name was Ebony. Her name was 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 mahogany. Twins' name was Ebony.